Alaska. We present to you a special interview, and we thank you for joining us here on Facebook today. We're tackling the declining moose population in Minnesota. It's a special report that our great TV station KBJR in Duluth, Minnesota, did, sending their anchor Dan Wolf out there with biologists in the field and in the air to track these biologists as they tracked moose to figure out why their populations have more than cut in half in Minnesota in such a short amount of time. What we're going to do for you right now is play that story by Dan Wolf for you right now, and then we'll have an extended interview with him afterwards going behind the scenes of the story to bring you even more information. Let's get you out there right now. Main streets in northern Minnesota. Moose are thriving. From coffee shops to bars to stores, they're everywhere. But in the wild, moose face a firing line of factors that threaten to make them disappear. On a snowy day at the tip of Minnesota's arrowhead. There's a, a left and a right. A research team with a Grand Portage band prepares for an annual hunt. With snowshoes in tow, they load up several vehicles and drive to a remote location in the woods they call LZ. Landing zone. This is a hunt for moose happening from the air. The guns loaded with tranquilizer darts rather than bullets. The goal to collar rather than kill. From above, a crew of a pilot, vet, and gunners spot a moose. They get close enough and take a shot. Then, for head Grand Portage biologist Seth Moore, it's time to get on the ground and go. Another small one. Yeah, he went down quickly. Good. Nice job. Now that the moose is down, researchers have less than an hour to do a whole lot more than just put on a collar and collect a blood sample. All right, I'm going to go ahead and do the COVID swab. I swab about five times. This animal's in good shape. I'm going to do a biopsy on its other ear for a genetic analysis. Nice little bull. He's got one antler. I'm just going to mount the collar right now. If the process looks like a well-oiled machine, that's because this is moose number 170 for Moore and his team since 2010 when the problem became clear. We really started focusing on what is causing the moose population decline, and then ultimately, what can we do about it to reverse that trend? According to the DNR, in 2006, there were roughly 9,000 moose in Minnesota. By 2013, the population plunged to an estimated 2,700, shocking state leaders and sending researchers scrambling to find answers. It's concerning because moose are the primary subsistence species used by the Grand Portage Band. It's an iconic species of Minnesota. It's a keystone species of a healthy boreal forest ecosystem. It's absolutely a vital species. Our intent comes from the background of us wanting to help. Moose are kind of losers on the landscape under the, a light or hat of climate change. And this is what losing looks like. This is hair loss from winter ticks. Here's a couple ticks right here. Whole bunch right in here. Here's some more. Experts say shorter, milder winters have sent winter tick numbers soaring. In recent years, some moose are covered in thousands of them, causing the animals to focus more on itchy pests than nutrition in their calves. We're treating half of our moose with uh, 
tick medication and half don't get it. And we're seeing how controlling winter ticks on moose might affect their survival rates. But ticks are just part of the problem. Milder winters and less snow have also helped the deer herd thrive and grow deep into moose country. That introduces another deadly pest. Somewhere 25 to 35 percent of moose that die in a year are dying because of brainworm. It's a parasite transmitted by deer. And where deer go, predators follow. By collaring the calves, we've been able to determine that 80% of calves are preyed on by bears and wolves within the first two weeks of life. Lessons learned from years of darting, studying, collaring. The reversals are drawn. And sending moose on their way. This was the first of two animals that joined the study on this February afternoon. The other darted a mile away. More taxied by Chopper to an adult female who received the same treatment. And within a matter of minutes, she's free again. One last ride back to the landing zone and then on to Grand Portage headquarters to analyze the day's samples and start tracking the newly collared moose. Work the team hopes will ultimately shape future policy to protect and restore the herd. We need to address the moose population decline quickly and aggressively. If we lack the societal will or the legislative will, I don't see how moose populations are going to recover. As for what Moore and his team want that policy to look like, it's a three-pronged approach based on their research. They want more aggressive deer hunting in moose territory to keep brainworm in check. Two, they want good forestry and more prescribed burning to help keep ticks at low levels. And three, the band would like to see the return of wolf hunting, at least inside moose range, to help cut down on the number of calves killed. And while there's some pushback from deer hunters and wolf advocates, Moore says state lawmakers and DNR leaders have been receptive to those ideas. Almost all the work you just saw in this story is funded through federal grants. And head to KBJR6.com to learn why no one else, even the DNR, is currently doing this type of research on moose. I'm joined right now by KBJR's very own Dan Wolf, whose story you just got done watching that special report about declining moose populations in the northern part of Minnesota. And Dan joins us right now. Dan, thank you so much for taking the time with us. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. And first of all, I just want to compliment you on your special report because those are angles, those are views that not a lot of people get to see. The scientific work that goes into studying the moose population in the North Woods. One of the things that stuck out to me was not just you, but Grand Portage biologists also describing the moose as an iconic species. Now, those are words, the word iconic is not often associated with animals like moose. Now, it's obvious the impact that moose have on an ecosystem, but what kind of cultural impact do moose have out there in northern Minnesota? Well, it, it's kind of twofold. Uh, in Minnesota, a, a lot of people, people who live here and people who visit, you know, when they're in the northeast part of the state, it's, it's like a bucket list item to, to see a moose in the wild. And it, it's, as you saw in the story, increasingly rare. Um, but everywhere you go, kind of like the, the beginning of the story spelled out, 
everywhere you go in in small towns, main streets uh, across northeast Minnesota, even in Duluth, kind of the population center. You know, moose are everywhere on signs, names of restaurants and bars, coffee shops. Uh, and so in a way, um, you know, they're iconic to Minnesota in our North Woods here. But also with the Grand Portage Band, they're a subsistence species. The Grand Portage Band has always relied on moose to survive. And I think that is a big part of what has fueled the research that they've done there to try to uh, keep the moose population in Northeast Minnesota going for that reason, in addition to uh, its status as an iconic species. And we, we, all, we often try to give viewers more of the story behind the story as well. What kind of work did you guys put into arranging to fly along with this team of biologists and others and just getting a chance to shadow them? It was, it was kind of a years long process. Uh, when I first moved to this market in 2016, uh, that's when I became aware of the, the incredible work that they do up there and, and the process of going up in the air and darting moose from the sky and then doing all the research they do on the ground um, and thought, you know, that's, that's something that I have got to try to join them to do. Um, because I'm, I'm an outdoors person. I, um, I'm fascinated by moose and all wildlife in Northeast Minnesota. And so that was just right up my alley in the first place. And then at the same time, the moose species was crashing. And so I saw the work that they'd been doing and I wanted to join them right away. And uh, timing just never seemed to work out. Uh, in 2017, I, I thought we were close to being able to make it work with them, uh, but the snowpack was deep, weather wasn't cooperating as is often the case, um, and they got really busy. And in just year after year, it was always something that kept us from being able to join them. And then finally this year, everything came together just right. Their schedules worked out. They, I, I think in many ways, <laughs> we were kind of in their way, uh, but they finally relented and allowed us to join. And I think it, it made for a cool experience personally for me. And I, I think it made for a pretty good story too. Absolutely. People got to see every single step of the process from high in the air, yeah. tranquilizing the moose, and then everything they do down there, not just doing biopsies on the ears, but also taking blood samples and also a COVID swab. I've never seen a COVID yeah. swab inside the mouth of a moose before. What did they tell you about, about COVID and moose? Yeah, and it's something they're doing, not just with moose, uh, but all species uh, that they tag um, and do research on up there, which is uh, also deer, uh, I believe wolves, coyotes, fox, they're swabbing pretty much any animal they get their hands on. Um, they they want to find out if COVID is spreading uh, to animals. Um, and and then there's there's other research that it's not just they're involved with, uh, but nationally uh, to see, you know, if if COVID is spreading to animals and then the concern of it mutating and going back to humans uh, in a different form. And uh, so that's, that's some research that they're, they're doing on their own, but they're also part of a national study when it comes to animals and COVID. And I know that uh, COVID has been found in deer uh, in parts of the upper Midwest. And a, a lot of times 
when you're part of every single step of the process, it's interesting as a journalist to be in there on the ground following these people while they're trying to do their job as well. So a lot of times you can get caught up in the moment. As a matter of fact, when you landed with that first moose in the story, you shot one of your stand-ups right there in front of the biologist as he was working. Yeah. You know, what can you tell the people about what goes through your mind as a journalist when you're in there working side by side with these people? Uh, it, it was a little nerve wracking. I'd never been in a helicopter. Um, and it was wild because they, they picked us up. Um, we had this, the, the landing zone that you saw kind of off of a back road in the woods. And, and then they picked us up and we just went and we, it was not slow <laughs> and we were flying pretty low. Um, and, and by the way, no doors on this helicopter, they remove them. So you're, you're holding on for what feels like dear, li dear life. Um, and, you know, we landed after that first moose was darted, they brought us in and, you know, we got to go quick because they're not waiting for us to do our thing. You know, it's, it's a process where they need to get what they can from the moose and then let the moose run wild again. And so you land, you kind of, you're like, whoa, did that just happen? This is wild. Oh yeah, I got work to do. And you go and do it as quick as you can. And the, the process, both of those moose, I think um, from the time we first took off to the, to the last time we landed was only, I wanna say an hour and a half or so. And uh, so we had to move really quickly. And so it's just a sense of, this is amazing. What am I doing right now? Oh yeah, we gotta, we gotta get this done. And uh, you blink and it's over. It was it was cool, but it, it went very quickly. And a lot of times as a journalist, when you're thinking about the subject matter you're reporting on, it fills you with that much passion seeing a problem that is clearly a problem in need of solutions because you broke it all down in your story the numbers from the DNR don't lie. The moose population was more than cut in half in a span of seven years. And these researchers have been examining 170 moose over the past 12 years. What can you tell the people about where it goes from here that you know of? Yeah, well, at, at this point, you know, they have a plan in place. They, uh, they being the Grand Portage biologists, after all these years of the research that they've done, they've got, you know, kind of the three-step plan for how to at least keep the population stable and possibly even grow it close to back where it used to be. Um, and so, yeah, they, they want more deer hunting. They wanna reintroduce a wolf hunt uh, and they want to take certain steps uh, to protect the species as, as it pertains to uh, climate change and global warming. And so they actually, they feel pretty good about chances uh, to make all that happen. They need cooperation from lawmakers. They need cooperation from the public and public support to do so. There's been a little pushback. Uh, wolf advocates don't want wolf hunting. Uh, avid deer hunters don't want the population to come way down. Uh, but they say they've gotten support from lawmakers on both sides of the aisle to make this happen. And actually, since this story aired, a report has come in from the Minnesota DNR uh, that the population for the first time in a decade uh, actually showed small signs of increasing in the state of Minnesota. 
that was, I think, just last month. So maybe uh, we're starting to see a little bit of a rebound. Obviously, we're going to need years of data to determine whether you know that's really happening. But uh, some good signs here in just the last couple months. Absolutely. And I know I, I do kind of want to wrap up here because I know uh, we're both busy in the news business, but when you're down there on the ground and you're witnessing the cause and effect of so much in nature, what with the shorter winters, bringing in winter ticks on moose, drawing the deer in, bringing their parasites that are affecting the moose, where the deer go, the wolves go. And when you're witnessing all of that and you being living up there for six years now, being a part of that community and seeing nature do that, how does it how does it change you not just as a journalist but as a person because we are both yeah well I, just just seeing uh the impacts of climate change firsthand was pretty startling with those ticks that we saw in the story and i mean we just we just showed a small part of the moose uh it was covered in ticks all over uh and it just you know we we hear about climate change and the impacts of climate change all the time but but being there and witnessing, hey, it, these these moose weren't covered in in these kinds of ticks, you know, decade, two decades ago. Um, it 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 just kind of brought the whole story to life. And also just seeing how massive those moose were uh, just up close uh, provided new perspective and scale um, for for what I've always seen, you know, in, in news, in news pieces and movies and television. Um, it, it just brings the story to life that much more, like you say, uh, being right there with those massive animals. Absolutely. Perspective and scale. Yeah. Wise words indeed from Dan Wolf over at KBJR in Duluth, Minnesota. Uh, Dan, where can people find your work and the work of KBJR? Yeah, yeah, just go to kbjr6.com. That's where that story is going to live on. And we hope to do uh, some follow-up pieces in the near future on it. Perfect. Perfect. Dan, thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate you. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Once again, that was KBJR 6's, our great TV station's very own anchor, Dan Wolf. And this is KBJR6.com, their website, where you can watch that special report for yourself right now and all of the latest reporting that Dan and everyone else all the other hardworking people over at KBJR do there in Minnesota. Of course, we thank Dan for his time, giving a chance to talk to us about what it was like to go up in those helicopters with those biologists as they were in the field, in the snow, tagging these moose, trying to figure out what can be done to treat these moose suffering from winter ticks brought on by shorter winters. Everything changing in the midst of climate change.